Hi, welcome to the Haven Writers Guild podcast. We invite you to join us as we explore the curious world of writing. So I've been thinking about what you said about self-publishing in our last conversation. Okay. Yeah. And I was reading an article through Facebook the other day where a woman called Rebecca Watts has written an article called The Cult of the Noble Amateur. And this is a quote from the article. She's talking about Instagram poets. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've heard about the phenomena of Instagram poets, but it's something I've sort of been keeping an eye on. Anyway, this is the quote. Like the new president, she's talking about Donald Trump, (laughs) the new poets are products of a cult of personality, which demands from its heroes only that they be honest and accessible, where honesty is defined as the constant expression of what one feels, and accessibility means the complete rejection of complexity, subtlety, eloquence, and the aspiration to do anything well. That's a pretty big statement. It's quite damning, isn't it? (laughs) It's very damning. And the backlash against this article has been quite strong, to be honest. But she goes on, she's talking about Rupi Kaur, who has kind of taken Instagram by storm with her poetry, which is quite raw. And anyway, I read this article and I found myself getting really indignant because I have recently become an Instagram poet. I have been putting my poems up. I have been doing it anonymously because I like that I can. There's sort of something very personal about poetry, isn't there? There is, and I, I don't feel completely confident putting my real name to them because I like that I can just share the poems themselves without people looking me up on Facebook and seeing my profile and who I am and whatever. It's, just, it's supposed to be just about the poetry. Hmm. Anyway, I was thinking about it and I realised I'm self-publishing Ah, realisation. <laughs> it was a bit of an epiphany because I have been so anti-self-publishing, as you well know, yet somehow in my head I have separated self-publishing poetry to self-publishing books. I mean, it's an ideal platform for poetry. It's, exactly. It's, it's a nice snapshot picture of a digestible poem. Yeah. Um, you can take into your day quite easily. But as you say, with the quality of what we were talking about last week with self-publishing, there is... An awful lot of very bad poetry there. (laughs) There is, admittedly, Um, yes. Well, like you said, I mean, readers are having to discern what's good poetry and what's not, and perhaps they're not as um, critical as they should be about about poetry. I mean, poetry is more difficult to get published. You can go to a publisher with a a fiction or non-fiction and have a chance of actually being published. As a poet, your chances are so much slimmer of actually yeah. having a book of poetry published. I mean, I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to be either already well-known or be really lucky. So I love that Instagram's there because all of a sudden you've got all these people able to share their poetry, and it may not all be great quality, but you can share it and you can you can put your poems out there and there's no publisher getting in the way. Hmm. So I feel like in a way I've kind of agreed with you without meaning to. Yeah, because it wasn't always that way with poetry, was it? No, it wasn't. I mean, historically, poets used to be celebrated. I mean, countries are proud of their William Wordsworths and Blake and the poets that changed the world and and were really the voice of the nation. I mean... They've got Robert Burns Day in Scotland. Have they? Yeah, absolutely. Ah, see, yeah. I mean, we've lost that, I think. We've lost, as a culture, we don't cherish poetry like we used to. And I love the fact that people are excited about poetry again and I think 
that by actually sharing poetry on things like Instagram, it's actually making people more curious about poetry and what other poetry is out there and actually looking back to the classic poets and finding out more about them. And then by doing that, learning about form and structure and subtlety and the things that we have allegedly lost. I don't think that's the case. I think this is a rebirth of poetry. So it's very exciting then. It is exciting and I think we have Instagram to thank for it. Hmm. I think it is different for books because obviously you can't put a whole book on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. I think that's very interesting because I, I've almost found the opposite with novels. Okay. I think I've sort of found that because there's a lot of that advertisement for novels on Instagram. Um, there's a lot of uh, authors self-publishing and publishing, I suppose, publishing houses as well. And they put their book up on display. Uh, but I suppose I found it very kind of faceless and it's very easy to scroll past. Because mm. I've really found that Instagram is just, well, I suppose not just Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you're actually using is just an image of a novel. No matter how good the cover is, it's very easy to scroll past as they sort of, you know, they sort of merge into each other um, mm. no, no matter how good the artwork is. Because, you know, some of them have got fantastic artwork and you know, spend a, spend a lot of time, you know, creating this image, but it's just so easy to to scroll past. Um, I've, I've found that in bookstores and libraries as well. I found it very difficult to pick a book out of a crowd of books because, you know, you go to the, you go to a bookstore and you go to the science fiction section and it's like, you know, all the spines are the same or if the covers are there, they're all sort of, you know, black and neon and, you know, if you've got a fantasy, it's all, you know, woods and grows and... You know, things like that. So they all kind of merge into each other. I found it's kind of difficult to well, market. Well, I don't know. I mean, I I agree with you on Instagram. I have seen publishers actually putting their new author's books up as, you know, the latest thing. And I just scroll past because who can be bothered? Hmm. But the thing is, I find that in bookstores, you go in and, yes, the covers are terribly cliched by genre. But if I see an interesting cover... The fact is, I can pull it off the shelf yeah. and open it up and have a flick through and read a couple of lines or you know a couple of chapters yeah. if I've got that much time. And I think that's the difference. I mean, when you when you're advertising using social media, I think it is a danger getting lost among everything else. And I, I'll be honest, as an author, I'm probably considering self-publishing a lot more seriously now than I was before we started having this yeah. conversation. That's good. Well, it, it seems like it's actually, there's still something in me that just, oh, just rubs me up the wrong way, but I can see that it's viable. Um, but I'm scared because I don't want to just become another thing that people scroll past and never, never get, yeah. you know, read. So, so for you, it's specifically that online aspect, because I think we talked about it before this and you sort of saying that it's you mainly thought that it was an online kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Well for me self publishing equals online and yep. ebooks and Kindles, yeah. Amazon onto Kindle and that kind of thing. But I don't honestly I really don't know that much about getting self like turning self publishing into hard copy books. Mm. Yeah, maybe that's something we'll have to look into. Because I know I, yeah, I I'm I've heard of a few authors. I mean Matthew Riley for instance, he he apparently before he, he hit the big time he was publishing his own books and he was selling them out of the boot of his car sort of wow. thing. So that's that's I think that's obviously an avenue. Um I, I suppose I like that whole aspect of it. I like that's what I like about the, the, the whole concept is that you kind of you're creating everything from scratch, that whole kind of DIY you know, <laughs> is Well you were saying did, was it you that was telling me about um what's his name? Christopher Paolini? Yeah so with Paolini 
He wrote Eragon at a very young age, so he was sort of in his late teens, so by the early, early 20s I think he'd, he'd, he'd published it. Um, his parents set up a publishing company specifically to publish his book. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's very exciting. Because, Maybe we should just see if our parents will do that for us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's, there's something in, in the self-publishing that you can create individual books, so you can just pump out one book or as many books as you like. As opposed to, you know, whenever you see the newspaper movies, you know, you stop the press and you've wasted so many thousands of bits of page. Because of the whole electronic printing, mm. you can print individual books. And that, I think that changed everything. Yeah, well, I guess the other thing too is one, um, one of my lecturers was talking about this idea that paper... The thing about books that's different from anything online is that a book is immortal, in a sense. Anything that goes online can be changed. It can be edited, it can be manipulated, it can always be, be changed. Whereas once it's in print, once it's in on paper, that's it, that's all you've got. Yeah, but I think the thing with hardback books, yeah, they may be immortal, but they quite happily are forgotten in corners, dusty corners for centuries. Oh, you yeah, know, but and, so... And, and maybe waiting for people to pick them up or yeah, maybe but... never to be seen, end up in the junk pile or so library is... sales. So is... Yeah, I love library sales. <laughs> so is... um So are online books. Yeah. They, there's millions sitting there and you might have one or two people come across them perhaps, but unless they're a media frenzy or you've got a massive following and people are waiting to buy it, you still get the same thing. You've just got a massive catalogue online of books that have never seen the light of day. Yes, but with, with something online, it's it's not the same. There's not a whole bulk of books. I mean, it's electronic code, so you can kind of reduce it to one book if you wanted to, as opposed to, you know, if you print 9,000 copies of a book, you've got 9,000 copies that are floating around the world forever used, whereas, you know, electronic copy is exactly where you need it. I suppose in terms of you and I being uh, authors who want to eventually get our novels out there and you're thinking about publishing, I'm thinking about self-publishing. Um, I suppose we're sort of thinking in terms of that the actual marketing side of things, you know, how to go about it. Um, I mean, I suppose a while back you were talking about uh, book trailers, mm -hmm. which I thought was very interesting because one of the things I was thinking about with, you know, scanning Instagram and seeing those books is you don't get a sense of, it's not like a movie, you know, you, with a movie you've got a clip and you basically get a sense of the movie straight away, you know, you, you're there. Mm. Um, whereas a book, you know, you see the front cover, you read the blurb, it's, it's difficult to get a sense of the book straight away. Yeah, well, I mean, book trailers are something I hadn't heard of at all until last year and I love the idea of them and I think we should actually investigate that a little bit more but mm. this idea of having a, a movie-like trailer for a book that gives you a really quick overview of what it's about but in a visual way mm. is brilliant and I think really what we need to do as writers and as authors is be different I mean that's really what it boils down to we've got all these different ideas for plots and characters and, and the way we've actually brought the novel into being but mm. It can't stop there. When we go into the world of marketing and we're trying to be seen on social media, which is so saturated with everybody else that's trying to be seen, we have to come up with new ideas because, like you said, it's very easy to scroll past. So having things like a book trailer or I don't even know what else, we'd have to see how people are doing this, but we, we need to come up with different ideas for marketing. Yeah, I, what I love about um, book trailers is they kind of toe the line between the... Because, you know, I mean, when, when an adaptation goes to screen, it, it instantly spoils the whole thing for some people. So creating a book trailer that doesn't spoil the experience for the reader is is quite a tough ask and there's some really bad ones out there oh, yeah. just quite really cheesy and and things like that but i think it's i think it's a good avenue 
interesting avenue as well. So yeah, in terms of marketing, bringing it back to Paolini, who I'm pronouncing his name correctly, uh, one of the things he did do was that he toured the country afterwards. So his parents set up a publishing company, they printed the books, but then he was actually physically out there doing the whole, the run around the country. Yeah, well I think, I think as authors we need to be very... This comes back to this idea of being marketers and being salespeople, which is something that authors never had to do before because publishers did it. Publishers organised the book tours and publishers, you know, did all the marketing and the and the media and the pushing of the book, whereas now it's something that's fallen onto the author's shoulders. And perhaps that isn't a bad thing because... I was going to say, maybe it's not fallen, maybe it's the sort of... Gives the author the opportunity to explore and understand all the ways of producing novel. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, it's it is probably a good thing because it gives us, well, it means we know what we're doing. Hmm. Maybe, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, I mean, if, if you've got if you've got an idea of what's going to happen in the end, you know, you're not just driving the car. You've got to understand what's happening under the hood as well. Oh know? wow, that's yes, a, that's, that's, that's a great a, metaphor. That's a great metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well. I, I'm very interested in this this aspect of marketing. I love to talk about marketing. Yeah? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Are you actually serious? Oh, yeah. Very interested. Yeah, because it's sort of coming up with fresh ideas, I think. It's a fresh approach to selling a novel because, you know, I mean, authors should be writers and they should be able to write their own campaign. All right. Well, we'll certainly look into that. And I suppose if anyone is... A self-publisher or has been published through a publishing house. Or have some fantastic fresh new ideas. Yeah, and, and has some ideas around marketing and, and has seen interesting new ways of doing that. Then yeah, let's talk about it. Let's let's see what's out there. Absolutely. Oh great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Haven Writers Guild podcast today. If you'd like more writing support, Find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or on our website. Or you can email us directly at havenwritersguild at gmail.com.